already sipping? What are we sipping to? Here's here's to the weekend upcoming. The upcoming weekend? Okay, it's Tuesday, Mark. It's Tuesday. I know, but next Tuesday I'll be in a totally different, like, I'll be a totally different person. Like, you know, a start of something new. So, okay. you know, why not? You know, and I'm and I feel like we need to go back to the sipping water, you know, mm-hmm. like, especially it's hot outside. It's July. You know how oh, we get God. down in July. Mm-hmm. It's a scorcher. It's 84 degrees outside in Seattle right now. So, Ooh. you know, and I got a long sleeve shirt on. <laughs> With the t-shirt, so I don't know what I was thinking. I was tripping, but how are you, Jolene? I'm hot, hot, hot. Like I have the fan blowing, so if you hear the wind howling in the background, that is just my um, industrial fan trying to keep me cool. <laughs> so I was caught. We're not accustomed to this heat. <laughs> I was caught off guard. I didn't know it was going to be that hot. I went to Target beforehand and almost, you know, melted. So here we are. Here we are. Yes, here we are. And shout out to each and every single one of you, because guess what, y'all? Guess what, Jolene? What? What's good, everybody? I am Mark Monroe, accompanied by my wonderful co-host, co-producer, and co-creator in All Things Galactic. And give it up to the First Lady. And we emphasize Lady. Uh-uh. Nope. And one more time. And all, th- <laughs> and all Things Galactic. What's up, yo? Absolutely. Absolutely not. <laughs> and you know what? I just totally, you know, that all threw me off. Um, so let me just start from the beginning. <clears throat> Hold on, let me make sure I got my water. Because it's going to be a great episode. So Totally. What does it, cousins? It's Jolene GC and the place to be. And so excited to be here on this fine Tuesday. How are y'all doing? Let us know in the chat. Yes. How are y'all doing? And while you're doing that, while you're doing a wellness check with everybody in the yeah. chat, be sure to go ahead and hit that like button and you know maybe if you're feeling gracious go ahead and hit subscribe down below because we have a lot of great content for you to check out i mean uh, you know along with today's guests i mean we've had some pretty phenomenal guests here on the show and some pretty dope content for you to learn from so just you know one second and then on top of that if you want to be in the know like for example shout outs to haitian pete who says what's up cuzos it's been a minute. How are you doing? It's been a minute, but yo, I noticed a lot of people are coming back to claim seats. So this is interesting. So okay. we could be, you know, it could be a start of something. But what's good, Haitian Pete? Thank you for having your notification bell on. He was on it. As soon as I had made it public, it was like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm here. Right. So yep. shout outs to you. All right. So, uh, Jolene, we've got a lot to get into. But before we do that, mm-hmm. how did the markets do today? It was not cute. It wasn't, but you know what? The Dow was negative 192.51 points. So now we are at, well, we're still in levels at a 30,981.33. The S&P 500 uh, was negative 35.63 points, currently occupying levels at 3,800, excuse me, 818.80. And the NASDAQ, breaking my heart, negative 107.87. But we are, you know, trying to maintain uh, those 11,000 levels. So we're at 11,264.73 points. The VIX came up from yesterday. Um, it's at 
or 27.29. And the 10-year Treasury note is a little bit below 3%, coming in at 2.961 percentage points. Heading over to sector performance, as you know, there are 11 sectors, and we like to keep track of the top three and the bottom three so we can see what that rotation is looking like. We got materials, consumer staples, and industrials at the top, but alas, all sectors were red today. Um, and then we have health and tech, and surprisingly, well, I mean, maybe not if you're following the news, but energy is in mm. the bottom. Energy has not been at the bottom in a long time, y'all. So we have um, some things to, as far as sector activity goes, to keep track of. Now, looking at our pick performance, as you know, or maybe you don't know because you're brand new. Well, if you're brand new, welcome. We have our pick um Picks, aka the sips, that you can find on our Instagram page at that come up series. Uh, we have Joanne Fabrics coming in at a whopping 10.08 percentage points to the upside. That's awesome. I haven't seen Joanne's do that in a day. So great. Then, Mark, we have SQQQ mm -hmm. coming in at a respectable 2.89%. Points to the upside and restoration hardware. Y'all are still buying them cloud couches. <laughs> it's at 1.46 percentage points. Then we have at the bottom, we have CrowdStrike. Um, they were down by 5.92 percentage points. And then Zscaler yep. was down 7.08 percentage points. And in phase was down negative 8.05 percentage points. So you can see that range on our list. We got um, Joanne Fabrics holding it down at a little over 10% and then Enphase bringing it down a little over 8%. So yeah, Mark, that's pretty much the overview of the market today. It was pretty flat um, and yeah. So that's all. <laughs> say about that so <laughs> well jolene are you ready to get are you ready to get ready because uh well am i ready to get, get ready, ready to get ready hey i just i just caught that in the middle because i'm so excited you know i fumble over my words when i'm excited to geek out you are you are but mark i also i have got to put you on pause right quick i am excited but i'm also nervous hmm. because there are going to be two marks at once I mean, it's really, really, really ready, ready for something like that. Let me take a sip. Don't worry, he'll be okay. I hope he has his water too, because we will definitely, you know, we're all we're all gonna be okay here. We got this. Um, you know, a lot of folks are asking me like, "Whoa, what's what's the significance about next week?" Well, just so that way you guys know, ladies and gentlemen, my birthday is on July 18th, so on Monday. I will be a year older. So, how about that? Confetti, confetti, confetti. Mm. All right. <laughs> Enough with the birthday stuff and all that other jazz. Because let's get to the let's get to the reason why we are all here, ladies and gentlemen. I I am so honored to share the stage and also to just share knowledge and on top of that, ask questions. You know, remember, like my journey as a trader started in 2004, and my journey as an investor started way, way way back when. Um, so, you know, honestly, I've had the privilege of being able to like literally watch Titans within the research field of the stock market. You know, one of them being Dan Ives and another one you're getting ready to meet this evening, 
which happens to share my first name, um, Mr. Mark Mahaney of Evercore. Now he was recent. He was formerly at RBC, and now he's over at uh, Evercore for through their ISI research division. You may have seen him on CNBC. He pretty much like if you've ever get the chance when you know things are being asked during earnings season and when we really need to get into the meat and potatoes of such companies, whether we're talking about pillars or we're talking about S and P five hundred. You know, one of the guys that I've always had the privilege of just sitting back and listening to who always like gives me that constructive thought process and also a constructive thesis has always been Mark. Go figure. So without further ado, let's bring him to the stage. How goes it, Mark? Hey, Joanne. Nice to meet you both. And Mark, uh, you know, early happy birthday to you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And... I don't know when your birthday is, but I'm sure that. <laughs> you guys have the same birthday. That would be way too late. Way too late. <laughs> it's a ways off. Don't worry. We're good. Okay. All right. Welcome to the show, Mark. Uh, pleasure to like just share the stage with you and to discuss a lot of things. Uh, so you ready to get into it? You got. You have your water, right? You have. Uh, I do. I got my material. water and, and I'm ready to get into it. You said a lot of really nice things about me, but you know, this is a, a humbling industry, as you know, uh, uh, it's uh, it's an odds business and you've got your calls. You're going to be wrong a good chunk of the time. Uh, mm-hmm. this, is, this is also not even an industry where you can, you can, you can, you can cheat to win. Like you can't like you either, if you have a buy on a stock and it's down, you're wrong. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a very, um, it's an odds business. It's very transparent. And uh, I've made mm-hmm. plenty of mistakes in my career. So just, you know, I always say caveat investor, you know, to anybody <laughs> I talk about stocks. I, I, I try to learn from my mistakes. So maybe I got that going for me. And I've had some wins too, but uh, it's a humbling industry. I appreciate your kind words. I always like to throw that caveat out there at the beginning of it, though. I've made plenty of mistakes. Oh, trust me. Me too. <laughs> Many. So... All right, so let's 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 just start from the beginning, shall we? Like, I always what I always like to do on the show, which like kind of like sets the stage for everybody, is like let's get to know you, Mark. Like, for example, how did your journey start with Wall Street? Like, how did you end? Like, how did you end up on Wall Street? And then on top of that, like, you know, your journey through the industry and you know, kind of some of the things that you have seen. You know the changes, the 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 evolution of what we've seen within the investment world. But let's start from the beginning. How did you get here? Well, it was uh, it was an indirect approach. I, I had no interest in going to to Wall Street, um, uh, but I was very interested in this thing called the internet uh, when it came out on uh, college campuses. I was on one of those University of Pennsylvania uh, back in uh, whatever 90, 1996, and these uh, this Excite browser, this Yahoo. Search engine was out there. You could buy books in this company. Amazon just mm. launched, and I just thought, and A- oh, and I was a user of AOL, and um, and I just thought this was just neat. And I, I've always thought that you know, if I, I would have probably felt ex- super excited about the, the 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 radio industry, whenever that was, or the or the TV industry back in is that the 30s or the 40s, or the aviation industry back in the 1920s or something like that. Like it was a birth of a new industry. We didn't know that, but I, it felt like that to me. It just felt super exciting. So I was interested in the internet, and then I did some consulting work around it, and I, I, was, I didn't have much to add, but I was trying to do everything I could to learn. And then I got an opportunity to work for um, 
this woman named Mary Meeker, who was sort of the original internet analyst on Wall Street, worked at Morgan Stanley. The irony is, I remember bicycling to the Barnes and Noble in downtown Philadelphia to buy a perch, uh, to buy uh, a copy of her book called The Internet Report, and it was pretty much the first Wall Street research report that was ever you know, broadly published and you could buy it in bookstores. Like what, you know, what a, what an odd idea that is. <laughs> you could have done that. So I did that. And I just thought this was just fascinating. And there weren't that many names back then. Mindspring, Earthlink. And I don't know if anybody who's listening to the show would even remember those names. Maybe you would, Mark, but I, I think. I do. Earthlink, earthlink.net email account. I, okay. Uh, I wish so I could that, go back and check it because so some pretty good photos I in there. You know, I, I just uh, I, I followed I, I followed my interest and in, and then started working with Mary in uh, in 1998. And the very first Friday, I was on um, Wall Street in my desk. I got the call from the CFO of this small little online auction company, and uh, mm-hmm. they, they were trying to explain to me how their business worked. They couldn't get any of the bankers where I was on the phone. They couldn't get Mary on the phone, and the CFO started telling me about you know how they how they buyers and sellers get together and uh, you know, they sold a lot of Pez dispensers, but they were expanding beyond that and really could be a big business one day. I just, you know, great. So I just, you know, tried to try to learn everything I could. And that was my entry into internet stocks. And, you know, for the first couple of years, I thought I was a genius as all the internet stocks just flew next two years after that. I thought I was an idiot because all the internet stocks imploded and the truth is always somewhere in between. Anyway, that's really my, uh, my history. I, um, I just I came to it because I was fascinated by the internet, and that took me to to, to Wall Street, and uh, and I've been doing it for the last twenty five years. So I've been I've been really fortunate. Nice. So, question: Like, given in the sense that you started off with the like through the internet and going through like you know seeing the huh, the massive disruption of what we've seen the internet companies were able to do from you know from start, and then also going through that maturation process. Where it's like, you know, the homegrocers.com and a lot of those like pretty much went away. And then you started to see the antithesis of the Amazon.com start to rise. And then now here we and then, of course, we saw the rise of apps, you know, which literally started to like take shape, form and fashion. You know, what's it been like as it pertains to like the, you know, just, you know, from your thoughts, you know, what has it been like to, to like have literally lived through each and every single one of those significant evolutionary cycles. And I can, of course, I'd be remiss to, if I didn't also add in the Steve Jobs era as well. Well, um, you know, I'm not sure I caught every one of those uh, trends, but it was fascinating for me to just to watch the different business models that rose. AOL seemed like such a dominant company. I I remember that and and they bought Time Warner. Wow. You know, they bought the biggest media company in the world and then that blew up. Uh, And then there was this wonderful company, Yahoo, that just was cool (laughs) and, you know, what could go wrong? And, uh, you know, and uh, I think it was in in 2000. No, wait, it was in the fourth quarter of 1999 that the stock doubled in like a, or maybe did more than that in like a yeah. in like a f- five week period. And, um, you know, and then uh, and then later on, there were other names that seemed to just dominate their categories. eBay. Oh, yeah. These, these yes. I, just, I just listed AOL, Yahoo, eBay companies that were that killed it. You know, that. Yep. <laughs> before they got killed, but you know, that, that just were on top of it. So those are kind of the cycles that I, that I remember. And I tried to draw uh, lessons from there's, there's really, there's really only one of those companies that's, that's really stood the test of time. And that's Amazon. It's really Amazon. impressive. And there may be the exception that proves the rule. 
Uh, I'm not sure the exception to the rule, the exception approves the rule. And uh, but anyway, it's been fascinating. Follow this. And then I've been lucky because the Internet is such a broad face so I can cover Uber and Lyft. That's ride sharing. What does that have to do with the Internet? Well, tangentially. It does. And I get to cover Chewy, today's pets.com, uh, you know, <laughs> pet supply retailer. And then I look at these subscription businesses like Spotify, Netflix. They're just dramatically different than what was available in the past. Netflix, I put this in my book. Um, you know, Netflix was the idea was that you could somehow stream, you know, uh, um, movies or shows or whatever you wanted over the Internet. But you couldn't do that when Netflix was first uh, founded as a company. I mean, it would have taken you hours to download the first 10 minutes of or to stream the first 10 minutes of Terminator. You know, so but but the technology changed and these business model changed. And and then this, the smartphone and, and I'll stop after this. The smartphone like, you know, no smartphone, no Uber. Uh, no smartphone, no Snapchat, no smartphone, no Spotify. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like you, you had these wonderful technology transitions, narrow band to broadband, man, that just, just made it so much easier for the apps to reach consumers, consumers to reach apps, enterprises to reach them too. And then you had this thing, um, then the smartphone, which is, you know, that means we all carry around the internet with us. You know, like I can do yep. more on the internet, this, this little tiny device and I cut off of my, my PC back in, you know, in 1999, just fascinating. Then the question is, well, what's next? And, uh, you mm. know, I kind of wonder whether the metaverse is that next, next thing. I don't know, but, uh, I, you know, most people are skeptical of it, but since I've seen two dramatic changes mm -hmm. uh, and I saw a lot of people were skeptical that you're not going to shop off a phone. Well, people did. You're not going to you're not going to you're not going to hail a car off of a phone, are you? Well, people do. So I've been surprised by, you know, you you make things you just the Internet. One last thing is Internet's been fundamentally removing friction. It makes mm -hmm. it easier yep. for all of us to shop to exchange information. And then there's also some, you know, parts of the internet that aren't that great, but it just, you just remove friction and you just made it for easier people. If they want to, to entertain themselves, if they want to, to educate themselves, if they want to, to, to shop, to meet friends, to interact with people, to do almost, to do a lot of things. It's been a great friction remover. And uh, that's been wonderful to be trying to track that all this time. So That's Mark, amazing. I have a question for you. So first Wait, of all, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark, first of all, your energy is infectious. So yeah. I'm just I'm getting excited thinking about like the first time I interacted with the internet and all the little memories and all that stuff. But okay, so here's my question for you. So you had you mentioned that there are a lot of lessons that that you learned during those kind of early stages of the internet. So my question is, are there, well, two, it's a two part question. So the first question is, um, what lessons do you see um, moving into um, web 3.0? And yeah. then also what device do you think is going to be the smartphone? Like that's going to lead um, more um, industries or things, you know, what you mentioned about like creating less friction, like what device do you think that's going to be? Hmm. Let me work backwards on that, Joe. Um, and uh, the device, well, I don't know. We've seen a lot of changes in these, these things. Uh, this, I forget what I have here, the 13 or something like that is so much better, more powerful than the first. So I, that's something else I've, I've thought about, which is just the, the level of improvements you can see just through iterations. I bought the first Kindle and like, you know, I mean, I, I love reading. I read a lot of books and, and uh, but just the, the Kindle experience today is so much better than the first. Light so, years difference. 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, I, I wouldn't be, you know, the phones could get better and better. And then you can do a lot of augmented reality off the phones. You can experience that. So I guess the device, I guess one open question is, is there going to be something? Well, I guess the open, the open question is wearables. And I have somewhere in here, my Google glass is, so, <laughs> but I, 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 I mean, that was just great. I, I loved it. Uh, I've got the Amazon fire phone around here too, somewhere. So, um, you know, I, I, I just love experimenting with this. and you better experiment with it if you want to kind of know where the future's going. And there's going to be a lot of false starts. I don't remember how many false starts there were in smartphones, but I'm sure there were some. I just don't remember. But with these uh, wearable devices, I, I just wondered that that could really remove friction, too. It's just like I have these Oculus Quest devices, the first and the second. I just think uh, it's. You're gonna. It needs to. Oculus Quest Seven. I'm waiting for that one. It's gonna be about six years from now, <laughs> and that could be interesting. Like, just imagine how much cheaper it's gonna be. Just imagine how much lighter it's gonna be. So everybody who kind of you know is critical of the metaverse today, you know, just be patient. You know, like just you got to think about. You know, the device is gonna be faster. You know, it's gonna be better. You know, it's gonna be cheaper. And what is it gonna? What are we gonna do with it? So I, that's what I want. I don't. For the next three years, I don't think there is a, a better device than the, the smartphone. I just I don't see yeah. it. But you know, I'm, I'm wide open to the idea that in the next three to seven years, it could be a dramatically better one. And now that I've answered that, I've completely forgotten your first question. So the <laughs> lessons, the what lessons? So you mentioned lessons yeah. that you gained and gleaned from you know all these different iterations of the internet and different devices and different companies popping up. So what are some of those core lessons you, okay. see, you know, that may be beneficial to this next era of Web 3.0? Well, okay. Uh, since you ask it that way, um, uh, chances are if there's a metaverse, if there really is a metaverse, and I just, I assume there will be, I mean, there is a metaverse already. Roblox is a great example of that. But if there really is one where just we have everyday use cases on there and it's more than just gaming, uh, it's more functional than that. Uh, it's really used for social interaction and education and entertainment, et cetera, more than just gaming uh, and, and maybe for medical purposes. Just, you know, just if, if it happens, chances are it's going to be new companies that 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 are the big winners there like i think about the big winners of web 1.0 were not the big winners of web 2.0 so they're probably not going to be the winners of web 3.0 it's probably going to be new companies so i guess that's one lesson i think about Mm -hmm. and then um and then i'm just going to go back to you know from an investor perspective because that's what i'm really focused on it's kind of what i put in in my uh my book here this nothing but net it's kind of like I'm going to I'm going to just try to stay focused on some of these fundamental things. So, you know, I'm looking for this combo of companies that face really large market opportunities that are really good at product innovation that offer these really compelling value propositions like that's so good. I would pay a little bit more for it, which is was Netflix in the past. Absolutely was the case with Netflix, maybe the case with Spotify today. And then the fourth mm. factor that I look at is uh, so it's you know, large markets, great product innovation, like companies that can show me that they can do multiple tricks and be successful in multiple different areas, uh, have a compelling value proposition. And the ultimate test of that is, is it so good you would pay another dollar for it or another X, 10% more for it? And then the fourth one is companies that have got somehow, you can judge it really good management teams. And that's a really hard thing to judge from where we all sit. Uh, But, you know, I like to see people who really stick it out. I love to see these founder-led companies 
you know, those those people who are willing to make big bets. It's their it's their baby that's on the line. It's their you know, it's their sweat and blood and their toil. And um, I, so I love to see those. I love to see those successes. And, and I often find that those can be some of the great wealth creators from a stock picker and investors perspective. So it's interesting that you mentioned that because now we're getting ready to transition over to the market that we that we get to, you know, wake up every morning to enjoy. Uh, the, whether the theater, the the analytical part, the research, everything in between. So let's talk about where we currently are right now. Because let's just say there was 2020, there was 2021. And let me actually go back one. There was 2019, then 2020, then 2021, and then now 2022. If you could sum up, say, for example, like, let's say if we could sum up 2021 to 2022, and if we could sum up 2019, you know, we would probably say that those were like significant bullish, significant bullish times. And the question is, are we now in a re are we now at a place in reset where we see that, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that sometimes that economic times can sometimes be the 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 reset to markets that they grad that they desperately need. Whether it's bringing in new blood into the markets, whether it's new companies coming to the stage, a whole plethora of items. But it's pretty much the restart of things, or like the or some people like to call it the new regime. Um, what would you say? What would you define twenty twenty two as it currently stands? Now that we're ha we're already at this, we're now at the start of the second half of the year. So what would you define 2022 as if you could just say, okay, hey, this is going to, this is what I project for the end of 2022 going into 2023. What would and you Mark, define you it mean, as? You mean in terms of the stock market or you mean in terms of technologies? Just as far as the stock market in general. Okay. And sorry about all this light coming in on me. Um, oh, no, you're good. That's just letting us know that we're, we're all West Coast. We're on the West Coast here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, look, you know, um, uh, Jolyn, you know, you ran through some of the day's statistics at the beginning of the show and, you know, where the market was. And, uh, you know, we, um, uh, uh, you know, that was the first, that was the, sorry, that was the worst first half we've had <laughs> since 1970. Uh, and I, I've got uh, six people I work with on my team, none of which were born uh, before uh, 1970. I, I was by a few years. And so this is the worst market they've seen in their lifetimes. And, um, you know, I, I do my best to, you know, keep them encouraged. And, you know, look, I just I, I try to you know put a couple of things together. Look, tech and the market did pretty damn well in, uh, you know, shockingly in 2020, in the covid crisis. I mean, if you had known at the beginning that there would be a pandemic and we'd be, you know, locked in our homes for, you know, essentially locked in our homes for some period of time, you would have said there's no way that this is going to be a great market. But it was. Right. Uh, and and so was 21. And so I'd say part of it is 2022 has just been, you know, like this reversion to the mean. You have dramatic outperformance at some point that's going to change. Secondly, you've had this dramatic change in investors. The biggest thing, and I put this at the back of my book when I was trying to draw these lessons, I put this big caveat and I said, you know, I'm drawing all these lessons from the last 10 years, but it's, it could be that they're just you one shouldn't do that because that was an easy money environment where you had very low interest rates, which, you know, kind of encouraged the growth of these, you know, low profit, low margin or a profitless companies, great growth companies, but profitless companies. And when rates rise, you can't do that for a variety of reasons we can we get into we can get into. So that's been a dramatic change and rates are going to continue to 
to rise from here. So that's a, so we've had reversion to the mean. We've had a rise in rates. Small thing. We've had this um, foreign exchange has turned uh, ugly for any U.S. multinational. Fourth yep. is that we've had this dramatic cost inflation. So, I mean, this is this is like, uh, you know, this is like I'm, I'm waiting for the locusts to come because we've had, you know, <laughs> high, you know, we had dramatic uh, rise in, uh, in uh, rate expectations. We've had inflation, generationally high inflation, generationally high inflation. And now we're going into recession or there's a de- decent possibility that we're going to do that. And I may be missing something, some other bad thing that's going on. It's just a lot to absorb, a lot to throw against the market. Uh, and this is where, you know, I, I do think, though, it does create good opportunities for tech investors. You know, I mean, uh, I tried to be cautious at the beginning of the year. I wasn't cautious enough because uh, I didn't expect the market to fall this much. But I also didn't, you know, predict, uh, you know, you had these shocks. You just had who knew that China was going to shut down again? Who knew that there was going to be this invasion of the Ukraine? Who knew that what that what that would do to, uh, to, to costs globally in terms of oil costs? It's going to almost certainly drive Europe into recession and may well drive us into recession. So, you know, you just have to be prepared for some of these shocks, just like there's no way you could have been prepared for COVID. Who knew, you know, back in the early part of 2020, and so, yeah, it's part of uh, dealing with the uncertainty of all this. But sometimes, you know, you 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 deal, you work with the hand you're dealt, and we've been dealt a hand now that I think is getting increasingly uh, attractive. You can there's a chance here to buy what I call DHQs, dislocated high quality companies. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you get big discounts in, you know, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, you know, I know the world may be falling apart. I don't think it is, but I know the world may be under a fair amount of pressure. But at some point, at some point, that's going to change. And here's your chance to buy great assets at discount prices. That's what we should be you know, willing to do and, and, uh, and able to do. So there's so, a question here, Mark, real quick. Um, okay. It's from Ikechi. He wants to know, um, Mark, not you, Mark, but you, Mark, uh, what your research process is. Oh, okay. I try to be as fundamentally oriented as possible. I know stocks move around for a lot of different reasons, but I'll, you know, I really try to be long-term oriented, like one to two to three years. And I found that generally that stocks, if fundamentals get better, if the revenue grows and the profits grow, the stock goes up. I know that sounds awfully naive, but I think that's generally what happens. Uh, I know somebody else wrote this years ago that in the near term, the, the stock market is a voting machine, but in the long term, it's a weighing machine or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, my experience has generally been that's true. Like I looked at these companies that fast and furious, you know, Yahoo is fast and furious and dramatic stock. But, you know, they're like a, they're a sliver of, uh, you know, they were the king, king or the queen. And and um, and now they're a sliver of Google and Google, therefore, does have a much bigger market cap. It has been a much more successful company because it's a lot bigger in terms of revenue and profits, eBay and Amazon, like eBay was the king or the queen. And now Amazon's the king or the queen. And they may not be the one in the future, but the market is. So I, I, I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent. I just fundamentals matter. That's one of my biggest lessons that the stronger the fundamentals in terms of the revenue gets bigger and it grows faster mm-hmm. and it gets more profitable. There's more value created and that's reflected in Stock prices. So, so what? So what? The, so what? To me, is then I just focus on you know studying a company. How big is? How big can they get? How profitable can they get? Well, how big is their market opportunity? Uh, how good are their products or their services versus the other offerings that are in the market? Do I see them? Are they good chess players? You know, do they 
have this product and this service laid out, but they are thinking a couple of plate, you know, uh, whatever it is, spaces down the down the board. And then, do I think it's a really great, you know, uh, service? Like you could have made a call on Netflix ten years ago. Like, do you think that streaming is a good service or not? And as you sat there and were able to get more and more content delivered to your home for seven ninety nine at the time, what a steal that was. I mean, just as a consumer, it was a great value prop. So um, proposition. So anyway, that that's kind of the basic research I do. I mean, I look at the P and L. You know, I look at what's happening to the revenue growth, what's happening to the profitability of a business. But I think a lot of investing is just, you know, uh, do you think there's a large market opportunity here? Do you really like this company? How well do you know it? My son asked me about doing a trying to pick a stock. And I said, well, what service do you use a lot? And he said, DoorDash, which of course made me go look at my credit card statement. But, <laughs> but you know, he, uh, but you know, like it's something he used a lot. And I said, well, if you used it a lot, you're probably going to be a good investor in it. Now you may actually decide as an investor not to buy it, but you, since you're intuitive about, you, you'll be intuitive about DoorDash, you'll know when they make these small little changes that you can also order 7-Eleven via DoorDash. And they've added more restaurants. They upped the fees. They reduced the fees. You'll know that kind of stuff. So kind of find a couple, a couple of companies that, uh, you know, that you sort of feel like you can get to know a little bit as a consumer. And, you know, you spend time getting to know the companies. If you find something you really like, then we can talk about what to, what to pay for it. But I, I just, you know, I um, the, well, my approach is I first I don't look at the cheap stocks. I look at good companies and then try to figure out when to buy them. I don't try to spend a lot of time looking at cheap stocks. I want good companies and I'd love to buy them when they're cheap. But I, I start off with the focus on fundamentals and start of finding a really good company that I believe in that I want to own. And then then I have to think hard about, like, when do I want to own it and how do I want to buy it, et cetera. So. So question, like speaking of good companies, because I know that you talk about Amazon and Google. Yeah. But for some reason, like, I don't think the masses fully understand it because I think when they look at Google, the only thing that they really see is, say, for example, it's ad revenue business. What is it that people are missing when it comes to a company like Google? And of course, when they look at Amazon, they look at, okay, AWS, they look at Amazon.com. What is it that they're missing about these two companies? Because they're... Like as a Seattleite, I don't want to give away too much because of the fact that I live here. But from an analyst perspective, what is it that you see that people are missing? Well, I'm you know with Google, I'm not sure people are actually missing a lot. Um, you know, so that's why sometimes I look at some basic stuff. So Google, yes, it's off like 21 percent year to date. I just looked at my screen here. That's yep. about the same as the market. You know, so I don't see that as. It also had a very good year last year. So, in fact, it's, it did. So, it, even though it dramatically outperformed the market last year, it's not underperforming this year. So, I kind of think the market's not too far off on Google. Um, Amazon, I find particularly interesting, though. So, Amazon is off, hold on a second, 35% year to date. So, it's materially mm -hmm. underperformed the market. You take that, that, that stock chart back further, Amazon's kind of gone sideways for about a year and a half now. Two year and a half. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, so I now it started to underperform the market. And so there I wonder the market may well be right that investors may well be right that Amazon is you know no longer. I mean, Amazon was phenomenal stock for Amazon is no longer the juggernaut. <laughs> yeah, maybe that may be. And I'll take the other side of that. And uh, I just happen to think that you know, just if we just talk about Amazon for a second, Amazon has had everything thrown at it this year. So let me get this right. They, um, you know, they uh, have 1.6 million employees, 
one of the mm-hmm. largest workforces in the world. So if wages go up, Amazon gets impacted. Uh, yep. They do all these supply chains through China. So if China shuts down supply chains, Amazon gets impacted. Now, they buy a heck of a lot of fuel, you know, for all of their their increasingly large fleet of vans. We also we see sometimes roaming around our neighborhoods. Uh, uh, so, um, you know, that that cost spiked up. They also you know, do a lot of shipping and that cost spiked up like you've had like they've just been full. They've had the full Monty or whatever, the full thing when it comes to inflation costs slapped against it. They also were a covid beneficiary. And then they um, then they had these tough covid comps. They've also, yep. and they had to acknowledge this, they overbuilt in reaction to COVID. They hired yep. too many people. And, you know, I, I, you know, like, I can't believe they did this. Like they, um, at the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, they had to make major expansion plans. You know, they have to decide how many distribution centers to build. And they over-extrapolated, given all the experience they've had with pandemics, how could they screw it up? That's a joke. You know, like what I'm saying is like, it's very hard to know. <laughs> like if you're in the, if you're at the end of 2020, beginning of 21 and you're you sell stuff online, you probably think you're going to have dramatic demand. So they made a mistake, but they'll be able to work through that. And uh, yep. and so I, I just think that the market's kind of over fixated on all the problems and it's extrapolated from the reason the recent problems. To me, Amazon is in a place where it can be it's a less worse stock. So as inflation starts to taper and things get a little less worse on the cost side, their margins will improve. As they get beyond the tough comps caused by the the wins that they had from COVID, their revenue growth will improve. And there's this other thing they um, they're te- they're testing this concept that I call shipping elasticity. Demand elasticity is the lower the price, more people buy. Shipping elasticity is the faster they ship, the more people buy. And it's a really hard thing to prove, but you, the three of us, can just intuitively, you know, answer yeah. If, if somebody sends me something faster, I'll probably buy a little bit more. They're removing friction from us, for mm-hmm. us. So anyway, I think that's happening. I think they also have these, what I call, they're hunting whales. They're going, still going after groceries, business supplies, and now logistics. Uh, they announced shop with Prime, buy with Prime. Shop with Prime, yep. Where you can, pay, where you can actually pay with Prime. Yeah. Um, and they'll yeah. actually, they'll, they'll literally, I think they'll literally do the, the, the logistics for you. Yes, that's right. It's the first time they're directly taking on UPS and FedEx. Now it's going to take a while to roll out. But I just yeah. think about this company as they've got a pretty damn good track record. They're the leader and they were prior to COVID and, and the recession, the leader in online retail after COVID and recession, they still will be prior to COVID and the recession. They were the leading cloud company after the COVID and recession. They will be They're one of the largest ad platforms in the world. They were pre- prior to COVID and recession. They're going to be still. That's the case afterwards. And so I just think the market's gotten a little bit too near term on Amazon. Great. You've set me up for a DHQ opportunity, dislocated, high quality company. I'm buying Amazon you know, stock. It's probably my number one uh, pick right here, right now. I know there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. I get that. I'm willing to. I think the risk reward last thing is I refer to it as asymmetric. So I mm. think I got maybe 10 percent down and I could be staring at that 10 percent down in the next two weeks. But I think I got 50 percent upside. <laughs> The upside potential. Yeah. So that's your asymmetric. And you, you know, on a high quality asset, like I don't, I'm not making a big gamble on Amazon management. They've already proven themselves. I'm not making a big gamble on whether there's really demand for online retail or cloud computing or online advertising. So I I just sort of feel like that's, it's the fattest pitch I've seen in a while. And um, so that, there you go. That's, that's how I think about Amazon. I think the market's overly fixated on the negative results of the first half of this year, underappreciating what's what Amazon's going to look like coming out of this. Mm. 
So interesting that you mentioned that because it's like a lot of folks are like, well, you know, this is like a lot of folks are saying that, you know, hey, that this is the time where it's like, you know, not to buy or not to not to be involved. And it's kind of like interesting because it's like one of the things that I tend to notice in history kind of has a habit of telling us it's like when you're trying to buy at the top, then it's like you can see that the that the that the earning potential is pretty much, you know, you're what is it averaging? What is it from the S&P 500? It's like four point one percent. But then it's like when you're finding it in the troll period. So when you're well off of the peaks, your upside is what is, I think it's like 29% or something like that. So I think it's spot on when you mention like looking at a company like Amazon where it's like, okay, hey, well, it's easy to look at the 10% downside. Like, because from here we could still go down, say, for example, another 10%. But then when you look at the upside potential and which, you know, I guess that's what you're, that you're mentioning in asymmetrical. It's like, even then, if you still go down by 10%, the 50% upside still completely outweighs it. I, I think I so. It. It's, it's risk reward. And I may be wrong on Amazon. I could be wrong on any of these uh, stocks. And uh, and I'll tell you what, if uh, the Ukraine war escalates, uh, if um, if COVID, is it BA, you know, the new variant comes out? And yeah, BA.5. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, the market will go down further and Amazon will go down further. So, you know, there, there's always these these factors out there it's just um you know if you find an asset that you feel like you know really well and some you know when you ask about uh you know my research process uh, one thing i didn't mention is i do a heck of a lot of surveys uh mm. and uh, you know we i do like two to three thousand people every year on online retail I've been doing it for a decade and that's how i know that people really you know i'm telling you what you already know but you know i do the surveys to prove the obvious you know that people like amazon and it's uh, you know they like it for price selection and convenience and the, 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 the rate at which they like it hasn't changed, you know, in the last five years. In fact, they sort of have gotten better and better at it. And so, you know, like if I saw evidence that people were starting to shop away from Amazon in my survey work, OK, that would change my tune on it. So I, I do look at it from a, my own personal experience with Amazon. But much more importantly, I do look at survey data. That's hard for an individual investor to do. And, you know, just um, you can surf around, Google around and, you know, there'll be survey data that gets, you know, shows up from time to time. Yep. I put it in my research reports. And so uh, I just sort of feel like the value proposition for Amazon is still, you know, extremely strong. They're the leader in categories. Uh, and I know why the stock's been under pressure, the issues that they've had. Uh, and I know that those uh, pressures at some point are going to alleviate. At some point we'll be on we'll be beyond you know, the early stages of a potential recession. At some yep. point, we'll be, on the, we'll be on the inflation pressures caused by the, the supply chain pressures and the war in the Ukraine. Some point, we'll be beyond that. And I can wait till all of that comes. And I tell you what, Amazon's not going to be trading at a 40% discount then. It'll be, you know, back up to, so, you, so you'll be back up to its normal multiple. It's trading at a 40% discount to its normal multiple. So I'd rather buy it here. Would I have said the same thing when it was at a 30% discount? Yes, and I would have lost more money. But that's all right. You know, like take it just the one last thing is um, I, I, you may or may not be a, a fan of Duke basketball, and I'm not. Uh, but I'm very, very respectful of Coach K. And he always instilled in his players the idea of next play, next play. Yep. Somebody mm-hmm. loses the ball. There's a, my, my, I've got three, uh, three sons who play basketball, too, in college. So it's big for me. But, um, but you know, like – the players screw up on the court. It happens all the time. And the coach would always say, and he talked about them and he talked about the, the mistakes they made after the game, but during the game, forget that next play. And that's how you think you should think about it as an investor. Forget about what's happened to Amazon the first half of the year. What's the next 
How's the narrative going to change next? What do you think is going to happen to cost? What do you think is going to happen to revenue? And if you can just always have that next play mentality and, and, and try to be not just next week, but over the next year, how are things going to change? You know, and if you can see how the, the story could get incrementally better, chances are the stock's going to get better. I know I oversimplified it, but, but that's how I think. No, about it. that's perfect. I like it. So let's let's get into a little bit of current events that also involve technology companies, two of which, by the way, you have heard of them. Twitter, Twitter and Elon yeah. Musk. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because when I when I mentioned that to everybody, that's the same facial expression. <laughs> everybody is just like, oh, can we move on from it? OK, so we won't stay on it too long, Mark. So initial thoughts as it pertains to Twitter, like in the sense of, you know, where does where does Twitter go from here? Because I think that this is me personally. I think it's going to be drawn out in court over a span of years. And I think that's um, so unfortunate, Mark. I, I think you're right. And I so I just I I uh, I just don't think it looks good. Uh, I think it's I think what happened was very unfortunate. I think Twitter. I, I've had a hold on Twitter for a couple of years. I uh, I'm an avid user of Twitter, um, and I know there are 330 million people like me around the world who really like uh, Twitter. So I get that. I think that number's right. Uh, uh, so it's very popular and it's very influential. And it's a great way if you're a news junkie. Um, you know, the pitch, the mistake they always made was that they said they could be as big as Facebook and Google. I'm, you know, just there. There are more people who like entertainment and connections and family and friends and than like than our news junkies just sorry but that's just the way of the world and uh and so anyway i you know that but leave that aside like i, I think twitter is a, a wonderful service uh, for as a user and it's possibly a good investment the growth has really slowed um you know uh, and they just weren't innovative enough now i think that was the problem with twitter like every yeah. a great brand name recognition but yep. uh, it's just that the, you know, for a lot of, for the junkies, okay, the news junkies, they knew how to use Twitter. But for the average yep. person, it's kind of like you go on there and it's just a flood of information. And it's like, whoa, it's a little too much. And then a lot. Also early on, there was just too much content that just abusive content. And it's, I think 90% of the people on there, you know, or 95% of the people are just, you know, good people and have their own opinions, they express them, they're reasonably polite. Uh, there is a problem in that, <laughs> they, um, in that it's an anonymous platform. You know, yep. you're not going to go on Facebook or Instagram with your friends and, you know, say nasty things unless you no longer want them as friends. But when you, you know, go on there as undercover name or whatever on Twitter, it just kind of lends itself to a little bit more informality, which is... Yep. It, but, but but I say all that. I think most of the content on there, you know, is you can find really good, useful content if you want. And a lot of there's a lot of really useful information on there. Anyway, the backdrop is I just found it very unfortunate what happened with Musk. So I'm fine with him coming in. He can if he wants to buy the asset. It's a capitalist country. He can he can do that. I, he made it clear from the beginning his intent wasn't commercial. It was more vision or ideology or you know, what have you. And, you know, I, I think yeah. trying to figure out how to moderate content on Twitter, on social media is an extremely challenging thing to do. I think you need a lot of adults in the room to figure that out. Twitter may, I'm sure made some mistakes. I don't know how many content moderation decisions they had to make. I'm sure it was millions over the years. Yeah. You, you show me somebody who could get all that right. 
Uh, and, but there were clearly some people, some some content that should have been taken off Twitter and, uh, and Twitter yeah. was right to do that. And 90 percent of 95 percent of adults would have agreed with it. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's like it's some of it's not that controversial. A few things were, but not most of the stuff wasn't. That the yeah, it's a pretty was- subdued platform as it pertains to like making sure that content is well, like, you know, really curated correctly. Yes. So. Yeah. But anyway, I'll just wrap it up, Mark. I, I just uh, I just so must takes us all through this and then he walks away from it. And I think he impaired the asset. If you buy, you say you're going to buy the asset, you talk about changing it. You say there's too many, too many employees there. Yes. Uh, that if you're work at Twitter and you have somebody like that come in and say, there's too many people here and I want to take it in different directions. How motivated are you? And so absolutely he, not. And now he's walking <laughs> away from it. So I just, I think that really speaks badly for him. And he's a great entrepreneur. I give him all credit for that. But I just thought this was a terrible way to run business. And um, and I hope he has to, you know, it's probably not a good idea for him now to buy the company. If he doesn't like it, you don't want him as a buyer. You know, you want him out. But I think I hope that I hope he pays full up that breakup fee and then let Twitter get back to being Twitter and then figure out how to grow again. So, I, you know, so that's why I think it was just very unfortunate what happened. Yeah, I think the I think the price, the price tag that's going to that he's going to end up having to pay is not only the one billion. You know, he did take out $8 billion in Tesla shares, so I'm probably guessing that we'll probably see him, you know, I would probably say between one and a half to three, okay. I would say, would be the would be the settlement. Okay. I wouldn't be, well, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. So, interesting thing, uh, Evercore came out with an S&P, uh, you guys had revised your, your S&P price target from, I think it was 4300 to 4200 um let's talk a little bit how is it that we got there and then also what is it that you know what are you thinking for 2023 if possible i'm less useful to you i I apologize on that that's no that's okay other people in the firm would have come up with their their targets for the uh for the market as a as a whole I, i think as a firm we've been more and more economically cautious but there are plenty of other people on the street who have been too i i think our point of view i forget our point of view my point of view is that we're going to be you know we're probably gonna have a light recession ahead of us but for those who can remember you know this is not the great financial crisis that's where the housing no. market got upended yeah. and that took down the market uh, i know the big the big upended market is crypto i'm sorry crypto is just not as important to the u.s economy as the housing market is so my, my guess is that we have a uh a, a hopefully a, um, a a mild, reasonably mild uh, recession, and uh, you know then we get through it in a, you know in, in a year or something like that. That's not I'm really hoping uh, happens. I think balance sheets are much stronger than they were back there in the great financial crisis. Unemployment rate much stronger than it was uh, back then too. So I'm hoping that 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 in fact is what happens. And um, uh, so yeah, we. Uh, one should be one should be cautious in this environment. Yes. But at the same time, like, do you want to be find those companies that you think are really great? One of the first lessons from my book from last year, nothing but net was, um, you know, the you're going to lose money. I guarantee you're going to lose money on stocks from time to time, even if you buy the best companies out there. Precisely because sometimes you'll have these big market rollovers, but that's your opportunity to either to add to positions in really great companies, really great franchises, or to begin positions in really great companies and really great franchises. That's where I think we are now. Okay, so you mentioned uh, you mentioned booking earlier today uh, in this in this interview, and but I also want to uh, bring up because there's a few things that have recently hit the surface. I want to get your idea on. So we're gonna like in our last few minutes of the conversation. Want to talk about booking? 
meta slightly, um, but definitely want to get gather your thoughts on Airbnb. Okay. Because, you know, when I think of it, like from from me coming from tech, you know, from the tech like from the tech startup space, and still being there, it's always about like massive disruption, massive social impact, massive changes in the landscape in which that we've seen, and no better company that I could probably mention during this, I would say in the, probably in the last five, five to seven years, I have to hang my hat on Airbnb, you know, in the sense of, you know, disruptor for the good and also for the bad, because you can also possibly make a statement saying that because of Airbnb, it's also one of the main factors of why is that housing values have significantly increased. But where we currently sit today, you know, what are you? What are your thoughts on Airbnb? And just for the record, for everybody, he has a buy. Uh, I think you have a buy rating on Airbnb. Booking is a buy, and then on top of that, Meta is also a buy. Yeah. So I, you know, Airbnb to me is kind of like classic uh, growth company stock. It's it's one I've liked since its uh, IPO. I can't remember. It was, I don't. Yeah, they did a traditional IPO. Uh, some, sometimes mm-hmm. they're direct listings. I I lose track. Yeah. But anyway, since they've come out and the stock hasn't, uh, you know, I think it was $100, the IPO price. <laughs> Sorry. And um, and the stock hasn't, uh, it's done okay, but it's also been a very difficult market environment. But this to me, like, as think about it as a company. So, you know, Mark, Jolyn, you probably both have used Airbnb. You know, mm-hmm. I have. Um, and uh, I, I think that they have got something that's truly innovative. Um You've got a founder-led company, and I just, you know, you can go watch their videos uh, on their, you know, uh, on their on their website. That this is a guy with passion. This is a management team with passion that you know just really cares about creating a better experience than we had before. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, and they're they're creating opportunities for both consumers, but also for hosts. Um, it is a way for people to make you know extra money uh, you know extra income with uh, with uh, and it's also a way for people to you've just cre- you've removed friction you made it easier for people to to travel you made it easier mm-hmm. for people to make money uh, and um, and uh, and I just you know I think their user interface is wonderful I think his ba- their background their architects and you kind of mm-hmm. see it in the user interface uh, you know the app is a beautiful app um, so I like that it's a very profitable business uh, you know they're doing like thirty percent margins which is pretty darn high uh, they're yeah. generating a lot of cash uh, and uh, I think the value proposition is super strong uh, and the wonderful thing about Airbnb is they've got this brand and this, this brand is so strong that it allows them to, to run with very little marketing. They don't need to advertise because, um, because the brand is so strong. And occasionally you have what I call lucky lexicon companies. Like, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm going to have, you know, use Xerox something, or I'm going to Google that, you know, when a, when a, when a, when a company's name becomes a verb, you know, do you Yahoo way back in the day. Okay. But Google that, um, and then, uh, you know, or the, I'll Airbnb or, it, yeah, yeah, or, <laughs> example is, you know, last weekend, uh, you know, I, I was out in uh, Lake Tahoe and I stayed at a, at an Expedia. Nobody says that they say I stayed at an Airbnb, you know, like, isn't that you've got like such brand strength. And so that there's power, there's financial power behind that. That means that I don't have to spend yes. on marketing. So I like Airbnb. It's it's not it, it's traded off quite a bit. It's not a top yeah. pick for me. There'd be a price at which it would be, but it's one I want to own. Uh, it's uh, they 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 had a couple of winnings I think from the 
COVID crisis people, I think that learned more about alternative accommodations. I didn't know at the very beginning of the COVID crisis, whether the three of us and everybody else would prefer to stay in a hotel with a hundred other people, but that would be professionally cleaned or stay in a, in a, in a, in an individual home that was not professionally cleaned, but you'd be, you know, your small group. And it turns out we all decided we want to do the second thing. We were a little scared about getting back into hotels. And so it just turned out COVID was a major advertising event for alternative accommodations. And now we do this work from home stuff mm-hmm. uh, or remote work. And, uh, you know, it's um, uh, at least for some employees. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and so that means it's kind of created new business for Airbnb. So I just... Yeah, I, I like the business. I like the business model. I like the founders. Wonderful value proposition. So I want to be long Airbnb, and I am. I really like it. Just really briefly, Booking mm-hmm. Booking's been around forever, and Booking yep. was a wonderful stock uh, last decade, less so in the last couple of years. But it recently- they were originally Priceline, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, the first company. <laughs> What's that? I remember the Priceline that- negotiator. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, okay. so I, I like booking, uh, but that's more like a high free cash flow yield uh, company. It's a recovery name, and they've they've got a few initiatives that'll make them stronger post COVID, post recession than than pre COVID. So I like that. And Facebook's kind of the controversial pick in my group, or now called Meta. And it may be that Facebook is is yesterday's Yahoo. That that's the big risk I face. That. We're just not going to use Facebook and 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 the way you phrase the question mark. I sort of feel like you're mm-hmm. probably in that camp. Like, mm-mm, mm-mm. okay, no, 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 no. I I and that was actually going to be my follow up question for you. Over the next five years, do we see that Facebook is no longer relevant, or or Meta? I I should actually say Meta because when you think about it, Meta, WhatsApp. Instagram, and then on top of that, what what I know that what they're trying to do with Facebook Workplace, Oculus, all those different things, and who knows what else is coming down the pipeline. You know, that's my question is, do you believe that, you know, Facebook over the next five years will still be a relevant company? Well, Mark, what's your answer to that question first? Do you think it's I strongly, be- I strongly believe that Meta will still be a relevant company. I think that ultimately they will have to do some more acquisitions. Um, but I think that ultimately in the grand scheme of things, if edu- if education and classrooms and, and say, for example, technology takes a new space, then I think that you're going to have to have meta a tight, it's going to have to be tied to that some way, somehow. And if you think about, say, for example, even if we just remove, say, for example, the metaverse itself, right? Cause we, we discussed that earlier in the conversation, but if we look at, you know, the platform of what Oculus has been able to put together shows you that there is some validity to the argument. I think the thing is Facebook needs a competitor within the space in order to essentially validate the space. And I think that what we may see from Apple as a potential competitor will ultimately add significant uh, validation to Meta's thesis when it comes to virtual reality and also ultimately getting Mark Zuckerberg and squad to ultimately that next generation where he wants to go with it, which is, I believe it's holographic technology. Okay. Jolyn, what do you think? Do you think Facebook and Instagram are going to be bigger five years from now or smaller than they are today? Oh, you said Facebook and Instagram. See, that's oh, all I got set up. Not, definitely not Facebook. I think you have to, you can't yeah. aggregate all the companies. Like it really has to be looked at as a package because more and more people are, will continue to use um 
WhatsApp. I mean, it's encrypted. Um, it's a good way to, if you don't want to share your phone number and you want to have different groups, it's a good way um, to keep in contact with family, you know, that are overseas. Um, and, yeah. you know, as we're, you know, our global economy and people are working from all over the place, like WhatsApp yeah. is a good way to keep in contact in that regard. Instagram is definitely not going anywhere because people are vain they're visual um and they're going to want to connect in that way visually um whether that's via a reel or just like you know um static post or what have you so i definitely think that if you look at it not in the aggregate but or in the aggregate rather if you look at it in all together it's a package deal and i think that in the five years one may one of those companies may fall off but the other ones will definitely hold it up. And then if you, you know, also keep in mind um, Metaverse um, and what Mark was talking about with like education, if Facebook wants to go into, um, I'm talking about Facebook, smaller company as we know it. Um, okay. Facebook wants to go into the schools or something like that. Um, I definitely see some potential there. I think the more uh, use cases they can develop um, within their existing product base um, and breaking into different industries will be that thing that keeps them relevant in the next five years. Now, if they keep static and they don't develop, you know, the metaverse and, you know, they continue to, um, you know, steal things from <laughs> TikTok or wherever, you know, maybe not as maybe not as much, but the way they're going now, they're definitely, I would bet money. I would invest. Can, money I add, can I add one more thing to that, Mark? Yeah. It's actually two pieces. When we look at all the businesses, like small businesses that utilize and like, that literally do business around the world, if you get rid of a Facebook or Instagram or just the meta platform, where do those businesses go? That's the first thing. Second thing, the other part that I was looking at is an opportunity for uh, like within the meta family of, of companies is is really where WhatsApp really needs to start thinking about like seamless payments. I think if they start looking at seamless payments, then I think that they can strongly challenge an Alibaba or an Alipay. Okay. Well, look, you both just made a pretty good pitch, I think, for but we should buy uh, we should buy Facebook or you know Meta too. Um, the stock's off fifty percent, fifty one percent, whatever you know year to date. The, I'm I'm just going to make the point to you that the market is paying is 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 uh, you know it's it, Facebook is, Meta is a stock is trading at like thirteen twelve times earnings like cheaper yep. than the market, cheaper than the S and P five hundred, and so yep. I don't know what the future of Facebook really is. I got my guesses just like you do. But I know that the market thinks that it's a deteriorating asset. It's a melting ice, ice, iceberg, ice cube. And I, I, my guess, I'm going to go long on, on Facebook. I, you know, I think these, uh, these messianic, is it missionary messianic? Oh, these, these uh, founders like uh, Zuckerberg, you know, I, I mean, uh, he may be tone deaf on some uh, uh, political Social issues, issues and political issues. <laughs> may have been tone deaf. He's also, I think, you know, he's been a young a young man, and I think he's learned, uh, you know, some things along the way. And and uh, you know, so I just, you know, hopefully he's been humbled. We all, we all get humbled along the way. So uh, hopefully, but you know, just his level of enthusiasm for the business, investing for the future. You know, that's the mistake I saw with Yahoo and eBay. They got 
they got too they got they got they got hung up on their profits and they had really high high margins and they didn't invest aggressively enough in the next new 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 things. And um, and what I sense from uh, Facebook is their willingness to aggressively invest in new things, just like Amazon did. And so yeah, I just think um, I think that. Right now, Facebook is the leading social media app in the world. It's got the two largest social media apps with uh, Facebook and Instagram and the two largest messaging apps with Match. I'm sorry. We didn't, mes- we didn't even mention Messenger. We didn't even mention Messenger. That was the funny yeah. part. We all talked about WhatsApp and didn't even talk about Messenger. So they've got these these at, these assets, ton of cash on the balance sheet and an aggressive willingness to invest in, in long-term things like the metaverse. They may or may not. Like that to me is all option value. And if they're successful in the metaverse, that's all free. That's like a free option for you. So I, I yeah. like I like um, I'm meta, meta as a as a as a stock. And, uh, you know, so the way you both phrased it, if if we all three think that the metaverse is going to be you know, meta as a company is going to be you know materially bigger five years from now than it is today. I, all I can tell you is I hope we're right, but I can tell you I'm pretty certain I know that the market doesn't believe that. And that's why it trades at a discount to the, the overall market P.E. And we should all be buying, you know, uh, Facebook. That to me is a real clear case. Anybody who's watching us, if you think that Facebook, if you answer the same question that you just that all three of us have just done, do you think Facebook and, and Instagram are going to be bigger in three in three to five years than they are now? And, you know, Noah's going to give us his opinion in a second, too. <laughs> My oldest son, um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, that's I, I like Noah's, to talk to. Noah's cool. Noah's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's that's pretty cool. So I know that we went uh, we went a little bit over time, Jolyn. So you know, Jolyn is always the timekeeper. So we went five minutes over time. But uh, last piece of last question for you, Mark. You know, there's a there's probably going to be a ton of retail investors that are going to be probably watching, and also retail traders out there as well. Um, like just simple like words of encouragement or words of advice, you know, for them, you know, as they move forward. As in some folks, may, their journey may be just beginning. Um, what advice would you would you leave with folks today um, that they can probably start to equip in their toolbox to start their investment journey tomorrow? Maybe maybe three things. One, you know, just. Uh... Uh, tr- tr- try to be as much of an investor versus a trader uh, as you can. I, I do think that um, that fundament- the stocks follow fundamentals in the long term. And I, I, I haven't seen a company get dramatically bigger in a year and have its stock price not follow that. Uh, you know, they can be dislocated for a, uh, for a day. Absolutely. For a week. Sure. For a month. Yes. For a quarter. Yes. For a couple of quarters, maybe, but for a year or longer. No. So, you know, I just uh, I think you focus on fundamentals and just uh, do you think this asset is going to be bigger several years from now, more important, more influential, you know, several years from now than it is today. So just I, one, focus on fundamentals. Secondly, um, you know, recognize that um, uh, uh, recognize that there are going to be uh, hiccups from time to time. And, you know, we can do nothing about uh, these extraneous black swan events like the invasion of, of the Ukraine, like covid like, I mean, we've just lived through three black swan events just in the last two years, COVID, Ukraine, and, uh, well, China shutting down. So yeah. a few things. Uh, or in generationally high inflation. So maybe those are the three things. But, you know, they're, they're somewhat correlated. Uh, you know, so yeah. th- those shocks are going to come and you can't do anything about it. But, but just um, uh, so just be be ready for that. Be ready for, you know, stuff. You may have the perfect thesis on a stock, maybe absolutely right. But, you you, you know, the market it's going to dictate part of your performance and you have no control over the market. 
And um, I had one other thought I was going to leave you with, but maybe I just maybe it's just those those uh, those two things. If you focus on fundamentals, get ready uh, for um, focus on fundamentals. Be prepared that you're going to have these market shocks you have no control over. And then, uh, yeah, just try to be as much of a long term investor as you can. And uh, um, I think that's, uh, that's the best piece of advice I could give. Perfect. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I know that it's getting late and it's probably time for dinner. Uh, anytime that you would like to grace the stage and also like we want to talk more about more of your picks later on. So feel free to stop by anytime. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Jolyn. It's nice to meet you both. Nice. Thank you. you. Thank you for joining us. Well, Jolene, that was a lot. Like, that was an amazing episode. And so for each and every single one of you, I hope that you guys were, you know, I hope that you guys were able to sit back and learn and to grab value in this conversation. I know I did. Uh, I feel so bad that I don't have my Apple Pencil here because I would have been writing. But you know what? That's okay. Because, okay, I see what you did there. But... <laughs> But I hope that you guys are able to grab a lot of key pieces of learning tools that Mark was able to leave behind in today's episode. And we'll get him back on the show again, because I have a feeling that this is definitely a part two or maybe even a part three in the making. But you so, know, what, Mark, we didn't what's that? We didn't have enough time before going live, um, but we need to know what kind of cousin he is. So he has to come back. He has to come back. He has to come. Yeah. Like people are asking, like, you know, hey. <laughs> we wanted to ask, but we know that, you know, he was, he was definitely pressed for time. Um, so we'll definitely get him back onto the show. Uh, so that way, he, of course we can find out what kind of cousin he is, but then too, so that way we can go even further in depth because to have those types of discussions, those types of conversations is vital, yeah. especially when, whether it's putting together a thesis, especially when it comes to understanding a company, here's a secret for everybody that I typically use. Now, for those of you guys that know me, I love, tons of tech. I mean, clearly you guys have seen my, you know, you know, my <laughs> yeah. builds and everything yeah. else. But, you know, one of the things when I'm reviewing it, when I'm like getting ready to buy something, I tend to go to like reviewers like your MKBHDs and stuff like that mm -hmm. of the world. And normally there's a rubric of how is it that things are graded? Like there's a, there's a strong rubric of how like an iPhone is graded. There's a strong rubric of how a laptop or whatever it is, is graded. Find or put together a rubric. And if you were really paying attention to what Mark was discussing in this in this show, he actually gave you a rubric. He actually gave you quite a few pillars. And for sure, be sure to buy that book, Nothing But Net, because it's amazing. Um, I have the digital version. Um, but yes, you know, be sure to look at what those four pillars are or five pillars within a company to understand exactly. Like one of the things that I tend to add in as a, my fifth pillar is future proof. You know, what is this what is its potential in the future? Not only just what they're doing today, but what is it that they're doing today? What is it that they're investing in today that builds tomorrow? So something to pay attention to if you like. But thank you all for being able to hang out with us. And of course, as we went 10 minutes over time, yes. Jolene, yes. before I blow out the candles and the cake and everything ah! else, anything that you want to leave to the people? No, I'm so hungry. I'm getting lightheaded. So. Okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> we are out this piece. Y'all, thank you so much for rocking with us. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and on top of that, hit that bell so that way you could be a part of the notification squad. Until next time, I am Mark Monroe. And I'm Jalen GC in the place to be hella hungry. <laughs>
<laughs> and this has been your come up. We will see y'all next Tuesday.